you can handle anything if you get some breaks. And so, like I said, if you know somebody that's in a caregiver situation day in, day out, you don't have to take over their job. But if you can spell them just a little bit, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's very encouraging to know that people care enough to help. But it's also like just getting a little break is 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 enormous because then you can come back and you can feel like you can tackle it again. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today grew up in Cheyenne, Boston, and spent many summers with her dad and sisters in Indiana and Long Island, New York. She earned a BA in English literature and an MA in organizational communication from BYU and also served a mission to Portugal. Before leaving BYU, she met and then married her husband, John, and had three wonderful children. After they lost their 10-year-old son to complications from a near-drowning accident when he was 18 months old, Kristen began homeschooling her daughters for a few years. After her youngest was launched, she began writing to help parents tackle the taboo topic of pornography. Her Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Read Out Loud books are both Amazon number one bestsellers, and she is the founder of the protectyoungminds.org website. I'm pleased to present Kristen Jensen. Kristen, are you ready to share your story of hope? (laughs) Yes, Tamara, I would love to. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. Now, we always like to start with a little bit of an icebreaker, and one of the interesting things about you is that you have switched to mostly a vegetarian diet. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, yeah, I was always interested in health. I think after I had my first child, I'd actually, I gained a lot of weight and, and it wasn't so much the weight as like the energy, like I had no Mm. energy. My husband would come home from work and have to take over. I was just Mm. completely exhausted. And so I made a few improvements. I started walking, just learned a lot about, you know, the value of eating a mostly plant-based diet. Mm. And this was back in the day when it wasn't, um, I think it's become a lot more popular and also there's a lot more science to back it up. But yeah, my husband had um, cancer, a you know, he still kind of lives with it, but it's in remission. And um, it's usually in the background of our lives. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been maybe 10 or 12 years since he started treatment and he hasn't been treated. So, but I felt very strongly during his treatment that if we would do our best to uh, live according to those principles where we ate, you know, mostly plants, then we would be sustained and that he could withstand the treatments. And uh, 
you know, never got any promise of a, of a cure. You know, you hear right. these people have these great stories about that. My mother uh, once told me, she said, isn't that boring? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, no, there's so many great different ways you can use vegetables and grains. And so we have been doing that for, I don't know, it's been a long time. (laughs) (laughs) At least 10 years, right? (laughs) At least, yeah. And we don't, um, we're not strict, you know. Mm You know, if you invite us over for dinner and you've got pot roast, you know, we're going to, we're going to enjoy your pot roast. (laughs) And uh, I feel like that has been a good, a good way for us to go. That is, But I don't tell anyone else what to do with their diet. (laughs) Everyone gets to decide that. Everyone gets to figure that out. That's cool. So, so what you're saying is even though you live a mostly vegetarian lifestyle, that you eat very well and you have some really tasty food. Yes, I do. Because I like to throw things together in the kitchen that I've never tried before. And that that is a fun part of, of, of what I do to kind of balance out the, the dark things I have to deal with when I'm talking about pornography and all those kinds of things. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's nice yeah. to have a hobby that, you know. No, I agree. Yeah. And I have that same hobby. I, it makes me happy to go into my kitchen and to make something or bake something or try a new recipe. It, it it is a great creative outlet and some people love it and some people don't. So basically one of your points is no matter what your stressful life looks like, find hobbies that, that give you a creative release, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, Tamara. And it's very healing in many ways. And it's, 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 um, I think, you know, creativity is something that is a gift that we can all develop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we're going to dive into your life a little bit today. And why don't you start off telling me about your wonderful son? Yeah, um, my son was born um, just a beautiful, a child, blonde hair, big blue eyes, um, big smile, just so happy. Uh, We used to call him Mr. Guy Smiley and just had a big personality. Just one of those people that the personality didn't fit his little body. Mm -hmm. And and so he was a, a joy. I will say at about five months when he was still just an infant, I had this premonition that kept coming to me that, and it went something like this. He's too good for this world. Mm. And I would question that. In fact, I would kind of argue against it. Like, well, there are a lot of really good people in this world and we need them. And, uh, you know, I would just kind of try to put it out of my mind. Uh, but when he was 18 months old, we had a a tub, you know, just like those plastic bushel size tubs that we kept in our yard that was kind of like for their playground, the little sandbox toys and their toys mm-hmm. I'd put in that. And we had a sandbox and we had, you know, a swing set and all the things that you have when you have young children because I had an older daughter. And um, one day we went out there 
right around this time of year. It was in California. It was a drought year. But that tub had accumulated a few inches of water, maybe maybe three inches of water mm -hmm. over the course of the few months. But we were outside. My daughter was napping. My husband was down planting some trees uh, on a slope that we had in our backyard. And um, so I, he asked me to go get something. Lauren was playing in the yard and I saw him go over to that tub and I thought he was going to pull out a toy. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. In fact, a feeling of joy came over me hmm. that I was so grateful to be that little boy's mother and um, just his spirit. And, um, and so I just went inside to hunt for whatever my husband needed, came back out, gave it to him. And then I, from where I was up on the, the deck, I couldn't quite see um, where that tub was. It was kind of obscured by a, a retaining wall. And anyway, um, but I noticed that I couldn't see him. And uh, so I went looking. Anyway, we eventually thought maybe he'd gotten up, was wandering outside up front of our yard, maybe on our cul-de-sac. I ran up there. It was Anyway, we finally found him. He had fallen into this tub. And, you know, little children, he's like 18 months old, they're so top-heavy that, you know, you think of a child, you think they could just pull themselves out. But what I found out since is that children can actually drown in toilets. They get disoriented. They suck in the water. They don't, you know, they're exploring. They may fall and their heads are so much heavier. So their center of balance is here rather than in their middle. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for us adults to kind of imagine, but kids can fall into things and buckets and uh, really, you know, then they can drown. And so that is basically what happened to my son is he fell into this bucket. He couldn't get himself extricated and he couldn't breathe. And so he basically, um, they call it a near drowning because he didn't end up dying from it. Mm -hmm. We called 911. They, and, you know, I felt devastated because this was on my watch. Mm -hmm. right wasn't my husband watching him I'm glad it was on my watch because I then I only had myself to forgive um at the time I don't know that I was as forgiving a person I wondered if I would have forgiven my husband you mm -hmm. know I wondered um so I was glad it was on my watch in a sense but as I waited for the ambulance and as my neighbor actually come over he was a police officer. He was doing CPR. And um, as I waited for the ambulance, I remember this feeling came over me of, you are not to blame yourself for this. This was an accident. Mm. You are not to blame yourself. And just feeling free of that blame, wow. um, which was a gift. Yeah. 
That was a beautiful gift. And I remember afterwards trying to make myself feel guilty about it because of course, and you know, I mean, I was, I was responsible. I was his Mm -hmm. mother. Um, And I've heard so many stories of people that they say, oh, well, you know, I caught my son or my daughter about, you know, in danger and I was able to rescue them. And it was a prompting from the spirit. And I was felt bad about that. Like, like what was wrong with me that I couldn't feel the spirit, but I actually did feel the spirit that day several Mm -hmm. times. So I feel like I was open to the spirit. I know that if the spirit had wanted to warn me, I could have been warned. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I had felt some other things that day. I knew that I was, I had been open to the spirit. So anyway, long story short, he, um, was transferred to the hospital. They came and told me that um, that I should consider organ donation because they just didn't know. Basically, they went in and they were trying to keep get resuscitate his heart. Mm. Now, this is a little 18-month-old cherubic little boy, and they were trying. And what I heard from the medical personnel is that um, he he wasn't responding. They weren't getting him. And so they call time. This is what they do. They, they say, okay, we've got to call time, meaning they're going to work on it on this person 15 minutes or a half an hour, whatever it is. And then mm-hmm. they all agree that they can stop, right? Mm-hmm. They can stop trying to resuscitate that person. So it's a procedure that allows them once they pretty much given up to just say, okay, we're going to try this much longer. Mm-hmm. And apparently as soon as they called time, his heart came back. Wow. So I just think he was off, you know, having a great time. Uh, <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, I better get back. <laughs> so that was the initial accident. Um, They transferred him to Oakland Children's Hospital to their pediatric intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was, I was pregnant with my third. Wow. So this was, you know, all kind of, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty tough there. Uh, He was in the hospital for a little less than six weeks. And when he came home, he was still what they would consider in a coma. You know, a coma on in the movies, you know, there's a person. They are in a coma. And then all of a sudden, they open their eyes and they're fully engaged. Well, right. most coma patients don't come out of a coma that quickly. It's, right. a, it's, a, re, it's a process where your brain reorganizes and is able to, you know, but they told us some bad news there. They said that when you have like a global, like anox, anoxia, where you aren't breathing for a while. Right. And now if you're in a cold, 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 icy stream, that actually is great because it shuts down your metabolism. It shuts down 
And that's probably, if you're going to have a near drowning accident in a very cold stream is the best, best place, <laughs> uh, if you could choose, but, um, you know, that really wasn't the case with him and they took his, so they take a blood sample now, and then they measure the pH of the blood. Now, why is so that? if you haven't been breathing, it's going to change. And so everybody oh. on the planet is between like a 7.35 and a 7.45 pH. Oh. And you really, you know, this whole thing about pH, you hear about this, but your blood is in a very, very narrow range. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Um, so he was 6.8, oh. which means his blood was very acidic and they did not give him any kind of hope that he would be, he, they basically said he will be in a vegetative state his whole life. That's, that's it. Wow. That's what the research says. That's, you know, we hate to tell you this. And, um, you know, I was full of faith. And, you know, we prayed over him and we just felt like, you know, um, he was going to live a normal life. What we, what happened was we, we normalized around his life. Mm. It became normal for us. Um, he did become more awake actually. So he was not in a vegetative state, but he was very impaired. He couldn't, couldn't talk. He couldn't move a whole lot Mm -hmm. but he could vocalize he could recognize people he could listen to music and and really respond that way and so but it took you know a year as he just you know little by little by little his mind his brain kind of reorganized that's such I can't even imagine experiencing that. So I guess my question to you was, how were you doing through all of this with, you know, you're being pregnant and then having a baby and also now having almost a second baby to care for because, because he was bed bound. How are you doing with all of that? Not, not good. (laughs) (laughs) I was, um, well, I really actually, I was, I was very, I, I was, I was full of faith though. I knew that God would bless us. I felt very sure I was reading um, my scriptures every day. I felt that was my lifeline. And, um, and, and in particular, the book of Mormon, mm-hmm. it was uh, something that I gained a lot of inspiration from. And um I know others will gain inspiration from the Bible, from other books of scripture. This was my particularly um, helpful uh, practice every day. I made a goal to finish the Book of Mormon by the time my baby came. Oh. And I did that um, by reading like, I don't think it was like six pages a day or something like that. So I think if you're in a time of difficulty if you can have a goal like that where you can establish a habit of daily kind of like personal inspiration, connection with God, um, 
no matter how you do that, that is, I think was critical for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just having to coordinate, you know, the care of my daughter with uh, going to the hospital and um, all of that. It was, yeah, it was pretty intense. And then my son started having seizures. Oh my. Um, that was another, you know, really difficult um, thing. And, uh, and he was um, just had a lot of you know, his temperature wasn't controlled very well. And his, uh, even when he came home, he didn't blink very often. We had to keep eye drops in his eyes. Um, he had, there was just so much round the clock care, but he didn't have a trach. So oh. we didn't like, he could breathe, but yet we had to suction him because he couldn't swallow very well. Um, so because How were you he didn't able have to a- feed him then? through a feeding tube. Ah. They gave him a feeding tube. And thankfully I had some friends back then that started to give us a little, like we're willing to give us a little time. Uh, it's hard to find. And, and we were able to have somebody come in and help me, especially as I went on with my pregnancy. Cause then I had problems with my pregnancy. Oh, like of I, course. <laughs> I, had, I was like, I was like bleeding oh, and no. I was threatening to lose this child too. And I was like, what more can I take? <laughs> and um, anyway, there were other things too that I, I just started to like be, feel like, okay, Lord, I, I can't handle one more thing. And as it got close to me having my child, my third, which is my little girl, I started to feel truly overwhelmed. How was I going to be able to take care of a newborn and this very medically fragile child Mm -hmm. who required round the clock care? It's, um, till you've experienced it, um, it's just a whole nother level of exhaustion because mm-hmm. um, a healthy newborn is exhausting oh, in yes. and of itself. But having a child in that kind of medical condition was, uh, and then thinking of a newborn coming along. And I remember feeling absolutely overwhelmed. And the thought came to me, Kristen, just keep on keeping on. Mm. And that was a slogan that I remember hearing when I was a kid, just keep on keeping on. Mm. And, and I thought, okay, the spirit, I believe speaks to us in language that we understand. Mm-hmm. And that is, is unique to each one of us. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, and I had many other spiritual experiences that just, let me know that God was aware of me and that, um, and I had one kind of, a, I kind of had a vision of, of an analogy. And I have shared this with other people who are going through tough times. And 
And uh, maybe this was just for me and maybe it won't work for others, but I'll share it now. And that was every day, you just have to get through every day. That, mm-hmm. That's all. Like, because if you, when you're in a trial and a difficult situation, if you take on the entire future, that's too much. Mm-hmm. That's too much for any of us. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Jesus said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, right? Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Um, You only need to deal with today's problems today. Mm. Just, Just get through this one day. And so I had this idea of at the end of the day, I would build a brick. When I woke up in the morning, I built a brick wall in my mind at the end of the day. So I was to get up to that, walk up to that brick wall. So throughout the day, I'm, I'm getting towards that brick wall. That is the end of the day. And I am not to look, oh, it's a tall brick wall. Mm-hmm. I am not to try to climb it and look mm-hmm. over it. I am not to do any, just get up to that brick wall and go to bed mm-hmm. and get a little sleep. I wasn't getting much sleep, but just, you know, end the day. And then the, in the morning, I'd wake up, I'd be on the other side of that brick wall and there'd be a new brick wall, right? Mm. So just build that brick wall at the end of the day. Don't try to take anything more than one day at a time. Because there are some times in your life, that is all you can do yes. is get through one day. And if you can just have that expectation, Lord, give me enough to get through this one day. I think that's powerful. I think that is just all we can do. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It's yeah. all, that's all. Just deal with today's problems. Don't worry about how you're going to get through the rest of it because You don't know what blessings are coming, what things will come into your life to help you. And we actually were able to hire someone, um, Angelia, and she came and helped us for a couple of years. I don't know what I would have done without her. She was your angel. She was my angel. It's funny because her name, we always thought her name was Angelia. And it wasn't until years later I found out we were mispronouncing it. It was Angelia, like with an A-R. I'm like, well, we like the name Angelia better. Because that's actually <laughs> what you were to us. You were an angel. Oh. So, yeah. So we, my, my, my little daughter was born. Uh, thankfully, uh, she did not need to be in an ICU. Thankfully, they were able to we were able to deal with, uh, but not to be graphic, but I'd, I'd wake up in a pool of blood Oh gosh! and have to be rushed to the hospital and have to call somebody in the middle of the night to come over and watch my son and my mm. other daughter. And there was a couple in our ward that would do that. They were wow. a young couple. They didn't have children anymore. And they would just, I could call them at one in the morning. And they'd come over. Oh, my word. I know, like angels around yes. us. Angels around us. And then there were many other people that that came and helped. And so 
you have to focus on the good things, the blessings. The other thing I would do, Tamara, is I would at the time, so this is a long time ago, this was in the 1990s, and there was this war over in Bosnia mm-hmm. and Sarajevo, and uh, it was terrible. And um, this is a place that they just had an Olympics, a Winter Olympics, a few years prior, and now they were in the middle of a horrible war mm-hmm. and snipers killing people, and then you know it was just terrible. And they were they were firing on hospitals, and I remember thinking. At the time, at least I'm not in Bosnia. Mm. I am in a hospital that is a really like a world-renowned hospital, um, uh, Oakland Children's Hospital in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am in this place. There's nobody shelling us. There's nobody, you know, I have the top, you know, people helping us. So I just started to realize it could be worse, right? Mm-hmm. It could always be worse. So sometimes you take the opposite tack because you want to look at the blessings, but you also go, you know what? This could be worse. Mm-hmm. And I could not have this help or this help or this support. And I want to be grateful for everything I have. And that also is a big, a you know, if you look at the opposite side, it could, it can always be worse. So just be grateful oh, yeah. for the blessings you do have and, and hang on to them. Oh yeah. No, that sounds like such a powerful, powerful tactic in it. And I'm so thankful you've given us these little tidbits, these clues of reading your scriptures, connecting with God, taking each day, one day at a time, um, and being grateful. That is huge. Those are huge, important steps to take. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to have Kristen give us some tips that she would share with caregivers so that they can keep going. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tamara K. Anderson, and I want to share something special with you. When our son Nathan was diagnosed with autism, I felt like the life we had expected for him was ripped away and with it, my own heart shattered as well. It's very common for families to feel anger, pain, confusion, and anxiety when a child is diagnosed. This is where my book, Normal For Me, comes into play. It shares my story of learning to replace my pain with acceptance, peace, joy, and hope. Normal For Me has helped change many lives, and I'd like to give this book to as many families as possible. We've put together something I think is really special. My friends and listeners can order copies of my book at a significantly discounted price, and we will send them to families who have just had a child diagnosed with autism or another special needs diagnosis. We will put your name inside the cover so they will know someone out there loves them and wants to help. I will also sign each copy. You can order as little as one or as many as hundreds to be shared with others. So go to my website, TamaraKAnderson.com and visit the store section for more information and to place your order. You can bless the lives of many families by sending them hope, love, and peace. Check it out today at TamaraKAnderson.com and help me spread hope to the world. 
And we're back. I've been talking to Kristen Jensen about taking care of her son for years and years and years on end as a 24-hour-a-day caregiver. And Kristen, what I'd love to ask you now is, would you mind sharing with us some tips that you would share specifically for caregivers? Because you've talked about how the first tip is to get help to not try to do something so daunting on your own, but what other tips would you share with caregivers? This is going to be different with everybody, but I feel like in order to maintain your sanity, Mm -hmm. you have to find something that you enjoy doing Mm. that can get you away from the hard thing, right? And I noticed that uh, so as as our son stabilized at home and we got a little bit more like, okay, we, you know, after about a year or so, he actually started smiling. I would see him smile in his dreams, uh-huh. but once he was awake, we, and he had been such a smiley kid, and then he started smiling, and we started figuring out ways that we could make him smile. Uh-huh. And um but as far as like caregiver stuff, okay. Um, you know, I started walking with a friend and that was really helpful um, in the early mornings so that I had time to just um, refresh. I think exercise, I'm telling you, that saved me for a lot many years. Just And I'm not a big like gym rat or anything. It just was, <laughs> you know... Um, it was just something that it does help you clear your mind. Those endorphins do help you feel more positive about life. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably getting also, the sunshine and getting out too getting, and just yes. getting that D3 vitamin, right? Yes. The other thing I did, like I remember we started like some projects. Like I decided... We needed to build this wall outside in our, you know, um, that kind of enclosed our front yard a little bit. And, uh, we had quite a, a deep front yard. And so I did these projects and they would just kind of, and part of me felt a little guilty, like um, I should be studying. And of course, back then we didn't have the advantage of the internet. Right. Uh for a few more years. So, um, but I could find books at the library. I could, you know, and I did order some books on, you know, traumatic brain injury and just trying to figure out what things might help my son. Um, because I was fully like, at that point I was thinking, Oh, he's going to recover. He's going to get better. We're going to get this done, you know, and our faith. And what I learned is that God doesn't give you the whole picture. He gives you hope, hope to carry on. Sometimes we misinterpret that that as, oh, we're going to get what we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what Lord, the Lord is saying, I'm going to get you what, give you what you need mm-hmm. because I have a bigger plan. My son never did recover fully. He recovered a little bit. And then uh, he passed away when he was 10 from a grand mal seizure. And throughout that whole time, I was his main caregiver because 
as I said, we couldn't get nurse, we couldn't get skilled nursing care because he didn't have a trach. So I didn't have anyone coming in relieving me at night, but we had some amazing experiences. So for example, um, my husband and I would be up with him during the night, but he would kind of uh, stretch out and he couldn't then breathe very well, or, you know, he had to be positioned correctly or whatever. So we would often have to get up with him in the night. There was a time when t- one morning I, I said, oh man, last night was really hard. I was up with him four times. Oh. And my husband said, I was up with him four times. Oh. We'd literally been up with him every hour, one of us. And I really truly felt like we had an angel like we had an angel that was uh, assigned to us and the angel would wake me up and then the angel would wake my husband up. Then the angel would make me up. And then you know, it was like, okay, your turn. And mm-hmm. um, so I also felt very strongly that my son was here on earth for a reason. He had a mission And eventually my prayers stopped being that he would have a full recovery, but that he would be able to do everything he needed to do to fulfill his mission here on life, here on earth. So that was also a comfort. And I felt like his days were numbered in the sense that all of our days are numbered. And, And so that he would be here until it was time for him to go home and that was going to be up to the Lord and we would just do our best. And I felt very strongly, you're you're going to do your best, take care of him. And when he goes, you're not going to feel guilty about this because I don't know if, if you're this way, Tamara, but I find that a lot of mothers, we are very, uh, it's very prone to guilt. Yes. And if we can blame ourselves for anything, we will. It's all our responsibility. It's all our fault. You know, oh my gosh, my kid has this problem. I must not have been a good mother, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of learned that we all do our best. And uh, then anyway, he, um, he passed away from a grand mal seizure. I think they call them generalized seizures now. Um, and the interesting thing there was that I could see that he was declining. He wasn't, there were, there were some issues and I'd seen other children have long drawn out, painful deaths. Basically. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't want to see him suffer that long. So in the end, I mean, the grand mal seizure was like a, a gift in order because he was getting heavy and I had to lift him in and out of a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to the YMCA, which was like my second home <laughs> in the morning. I would go every morning. Guess I was a gym rat at that point, but it was just, <laughs> I would do the whole, you know, I had Lifting a working with your routine. arms. I lifted, I was lifting a hundred pounds, you know, and I um, would swim and I would get exercise so that I could, you know, deal with all the stress of taking care of that child. So um, I went out that morning 
I, I woke my husband up. I'm going, you know, and, um, I left. I, he was, he was doing fine. I rearranged him. Everything was fine. Totally good. Um, I came back, you know, I talked to my husband for a few minutes. He was still in bed and I said, Lauren's quiet. And I went in and he had literally flipped over <gasps> to the other side and he was gone. He was gone. But what was interesting is a few months earlier, I got this crazy idea mm-hmm. to, be, to take a, life, a Red Cross lifeguard course. And I had to really prepare for it. I had to like be able to swim 10 laps doing the, the crawl, which is no mean feat, actually, if you mm-hmm. try it. <laughs> Uh, and you're not, you know, and you're out of shape, but I had to work up and I, I, so I did that whole course. And in this course, I learned CPR and you would think I would have known this, but I, since I'd seen CPR being done on him originally, I had like a traumatic, like, I didn't want to like, you didn't want to learn it. (laughs) I didn't want to learn it. But I made myself learn it for this course. And so when I went in and I saw him and I could tell he was gone, but I didn't know how long he'd been, you know, and I thought, I'm going to do CPR. So we pulled him out of this bed, put him on the hard surface, and I was doing CPR until the medics came. And they took over and uh, determined that he had been gone too long and it was, it was a lost cause. I mean, it was just, there was nothing they could do. But Tamara, had I not known CPR, had I not been able to do it, I would have always wondered. Hmm. And that was a tender mercy to be able to just do that on my son, do that for him. It didn't work. But it worked for me because yes. I did everything possible. And I also knew that had it been important for my husband to hear him struggling, I mean, obviously was to hear that happen, he would have been up and gone because we had been doing this for years, mm-hmm. right? So I knew that it was like, okay, this This is just what God has kind of been warning me about. And I always had this thought that it would be in the morning and that I would find him, Mm. you know, Mm. the Lord kind of prepared me in actually in so many ways. Um, There was a a woman that had a, a daughter that was in the class. She's, she had a really long, slow, protracted death. I thought I should just call her up. And one day I'm sitting at the computer and honestly, I'd had this prompting several times. Mm -hmm. And finally, I just heard the most frustrated voice in my head that said, will you just call her? This was a week before my son died. So we met and she talked about how they did the gravestone and they talked about this and that. 
And so, I don't know, there were just so many things that prepared me for this, that helped me get through it. Um, So I know the Lord, even in our extreme situations, I know the Lord is there. He's in the details. He helps us. He brings people to help us. He arranges things. Whoever was my guardian angel was kind of ticked off at me at that point. <laughs> I could tell. Like, this is important. <laughs> um, so wow. when he did pass away that morning, I and I just knew that his time, that this was his time to go and mm. that he had completed his mission. And, um, and that I'd become a different person, like a more empathetic person. Um, I learned so much about myself and I learned through my extremities, I learned to rely on the Lord and not get bitter about my trials, you know? Yeah. So. Absolutely. So now you are full force involved in your amazing website, protectyoungminds.org. Tell me how your experience with your son, you feel helped prepare you to embark on this new adventure. I did feel very prompted to begin this um, through a tragic experience of another family whose son got into porn and then he you know, porn was a part of his um, molesting his younger brothers and sisters. And that was wow. kind of what, uh, when I heard, when she called me and told me about this, I started looking for resources. And But I woke up after the talk with her with this very strong prompting uh, and a question in my mind, who will help me protect the young children? And I'm like... <laughs> Like, who am I? I'm actually not a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a elementary teacher. I'm not a child psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I, Lord, to like to do this? So How I have a theory. Of- oh, good. Tell me. I Tamara. have a theory because as a, as you were telling that story, it sounds like your experience with your son helped you learn to listen to God when He's speaking to you. And so it helped you recognize it when God was handing you a new mission and saying, yeah, you might not be anybody, but I know you can do this. And I know you will do that. I think you'd proved trustworthy to God and he knew you could hand, he could hand you this new assignment and that you would do something about it. Well, I, I guess, I think you're probably right about that, Tamara. I never feel quite up to this, this new thing. (laughs) Um, But I keep, I'm dogged and I persevere and I keep doing it day by day. And um, I've had quite a few trials uh, as a result of this journey. But um, I do know that the Lord is there and that he is in the details and that you can call upon him uh, for answers and for blessings. And um, even though Protect Young Minds is is pretty faith neutral, it's secular. I mean, we we have my, my books, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, 
They're in, uh, we've got it in German. We've got it in Chinese. Chinese. Wow. And that's amazing. So you have the book now translated into how many languages? Um, that's Arabic right there. Wow. So I actually, when I started to write the book, I had people say, well, you need to bring God into this. Mm-hmm. And I prayed about it and I actually felt the answer. Nope. Just, just because this needs to go to all my children, not those, not even those that don't believe in me. Mm. So I really felt to make this uh, faith neutral, secular kind of a um, thing. Um, and that's what, you know, protecting minds is. So, yeah. Okay. So I want to get back to your original question and what is it about I don't know tenacity I also learned that I can't do things alone I have to have people helping me Mm. you have to have a team like you really cannot I feel the best way is is to just try to gather support and I had so much help doing my books and as I continue to write others I have so much help it could not have come from just this brain yeah. I need other people. And so um, being, being able to ask for help, that may be one of them too. And mm-hmm. I just realized that right now, Tamara. Wow. In a moment of like aha moment. I just had an aha moment because I learned early on with my son, Lauren, I had to have help. I, mm-hmm. I, and I, I wish I would have had more help, actually. But yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> I did have. And I had to have help. I couldn't do it alone. I could not do it alone. And all along, the Lord would kind of like identify people that would step up and just to babysit, just so that we could go out on a date. I mean, that was a huge thing to coordinate. I bet. You have a medically fragile child. So. Everybody that's listening to this, if you know somebody with a medically fragile child or a child that needs constant care, if you can find it in your heart to give those parents a break once every three months even, I mean, (laughs) that is golden. It's Uh such a treasure. In fact, we had friends that I got to the point um, after, you know, nine years of doing this where I was so spent, so tired that I would honestly lie there in the, at night and I would hear him. My angel would wake me up. Mm-hmm. I would hear him struggling to breathe my oh. child and I could not move. Oh. And I can, I'm sure people could judge me for that, but honestly, that's called burnout. Mm-hmm. That Just is called complete exhaustion, complete burnout. And I would wake my husband and I'd say, I, I can't get up. I can't go one more time. And so we had planned this trip to Hawaii and it was like the first time we could get, I mean, This was like a once in a lifetime thing. And the only way we could do it was we had these wonderful friends who came and lived in our house and took care of our son while we were gone. And um, I will never 
ever forget this. And I love them to this day. Um, when you're in desperate need and somebody comes and helps you, even if it's just a little bit, because they had to overcome their fears, mm-hmm. right? Their fears of, you know, we all have to overcome that uncomfortable place. And so they came and watched my son for 10 days while we went to wow. Hawaii. And my husband came back from that. To this day, he wears Hawaiian shirts almost every day. <laughs> he loves listening to Hawaiian slacky guitar. Like, like that experience for us was so <laughs> wonderful. And um, I came back from that able to handle things again. Mm-hmm. You can handle anything if you get a break. That's true. You can handle anything if you get some breaks. And so, like I said, if you know somebody that's in a caregiver situation day in, day out, you don't have to take over their job. But if you can spell them just a little bit, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's very encouraging to know that people care enough to help. But it's also like just getting a little break is is enormous because then Mm -hmm. you can come back and you can feel like you can tackle it again. But um, the month before we left, my husband got up every single night, every single time. Wow. He just said, you rest. And he had a full-time job to go to the next day. Wow. So I don't know where he got the, I'm sure God just helped him, but I, I was spent, I couldn't do it mm-hmm. for a month. He did that for me. Wow. So that's true love. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Wow. Now, Kristen, this is, this has been such an amazing experience. I just feel so blessed that you've been able to share so many bits of wisdom. Um, I love this last one that you've shared about getting a break and and giving yourself that ability to take breaks, but how much we need each other, especially at yes. times like that. Um, so people are going to want to connect with you because of your amazing story here. Would you mind telling us how they can find you and where they can find you on social media or, you, or your website? And please tell us about Protect Young yeah. Minds. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so... Um, you can always connect with me. A lot of people come to my author page, which is sorely neglected on Facebook. <laughs> I'm not very good at Protect Young Minds. We built this to help parents on this journey of digital parenting, which is an enormous challenge, mm-hmm. an enormous challenge with all of the pressures, all of the ways kids can get into um problems. We try to keep parents up to date with the latest threats, but also the latest tools and parenting advice. We find that raising children who are resilient, emotionally resilient, actually really helps with all kinds of um, risks. And so we are doing a lot with that. We just came up with a wonderful curriculum that is video-based got videos and teacher scripts and workbooks and all of that can be accessed through our website protectingminds.org we're just trying to help parents 
have every tool because um, it's daunting. It mm-hmm. is daunting. Um, you've got people who are highly skilled, well-paid, working against you, trying to get your kids pulled into some of these things that are, um, you know, not going to be healthy for them and healthy for their minds. So yeah, come visit us at Protect Young Minds. We've got so much to offer and uh, most of it is free. And um, we just want to help. I just want to help with this problem. I don't know. And I'll tell you, Tamara, one more thing. When I first found out about the problems with pornography and how it was breaking up marriages and how it was addicting people and all these things, I was like, that is like horrific. Like, and I honestly told the Lord, I can't help you with that problem. Maybe I could build a orphanage in Mexico someday or something, you know, like, I just, like Maybe I could do that, but I cannot help you with that problem. And, you know, if you tell the Lord that you can't do something, he might take it on as a personal challenge. So (laughs) just a warning, Uh, probably shouldn't do that. I haven't done that since, but when he did inspire me, he gave me the heart and he gave me the desire to do this work. And I still have to employ the same things that I did with my, because it's heavy. I, we don't even share on protect young minds, all of the ugliness. We try to keep it at a level that isn't going to overwhelm people because when people are overwhelmed, they get frozen. So we try to give people bit by bit hold, you know, um, obviously if you want to know more information, you know, there are many ways to do it, but, we, we, so I have to deal with a lot of this darkness. Um, and so what I do now is I find ways, creative outlets. We're going to go like after this interview, I'm going to go, we're going to go buy some e-bikes so that we can get out, you know, when the weather gets a little better here and get some exercise together. And we've got some plans this summer to do some fun trails you just have to make sure you have some joy in your life and recreation mm-hmm. that will sustain you mm-hmm. um, as much as you can. Now, if you're in the thick of it, sometimes you just can build the wall, get through that day, right? Yes, absolutely. But um, as you, you know, maybe get to a more longer term, stabilized, somewhat stabilized situation, I think that doing things for yourself, finding that recreation um, is really important because you, no matter what it is, you're, you could burn out. You can burn out on these situations. You have to figure out ways to refresh yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. No. And that, I found that to be true in my own life. Very, very, very true. Oh, Man, Kristen, this has been so fun and so fantastic. I relate to your story in so many ways because of my son's on the autism spectrum, especially feeling so overwhelmed and exhausted. I I totally (laughs) have felt your pain as you told that story, but I, I feel such hope with all the tips that you've given here. I've seen them 
be true in my own life. And I know as people apply them in their lives that they will find the same help and strength and relief both through God and through the angels he sends. So thank you for sharing your story of hope. I'm grateful for, for Heavenly Father. I'm grateful for Jesus Christ. I know that none of us are perfect. He will help us and he really will be there every step of the way. You don't always feel it. You don't always feel like he's right there. But I do believe that they're there and that they're concerned about us. And they're, they're outside of time. So they can spend all the time they need just focusing on you and knowing what's right and setting things up, bringing people into your life, setting up blessings. So if you have something you're praying for, just keep just keep going and know that the answer to that prayer is coming. It's mm-hmm. coming and it may not be exactly what you imagined, but it will be the perfect thing for you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.